Western Nerds Podcast. I am Chad Coffin. And I'm Brian Stoffel. And we welcome you back for another installment of the Western Nerds Podcast. Things are going to be a little bit different this week. We are coming to you with a special bonus pod, a secret pod, a safety pod, whatever you want to call it. Life gets hectic sometimes, and sometimes we have to have a backup plan, and this is it. So this episode... We're not going to be following the same kind of format that we do every week, so we're not going to be doing news, we're not going to be doing the Chattelac Checkdown. This is going to be a special episode where we go into topics of discussion that we could have with you all. We're still going to bring that quality, we're still going to bring that consistency, that's the main reason that we want to do this extra pod. We want to make sure we have that consistency, we're bringing you Midwestern nerds every week. Like Brian said, it might not be the best stop, it might not be the Chattelac Checkdown, it might not be the news, but... We're going to bring you some content that you're going to love every week. While we're on that subject, speaking of content, where you can find our content, starting first and foremost at MidwesternNerds.com, and then also follow the apps of the Midwestern Nerds at Instagram and Twitter. MidwesternNerds at gmail.com is where you can email us directly, and then the Midwestern Nerds Facebook page. We also have seven different places you can find us for streaming. That is Spotify, Apple, Overcast, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, and Google Podcasts. So for this week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We took some time to prepare answers for a get-to-know-you type question. Instead of going with the basic generic, if you were trapped on a deserted island, what are the things that you would want to have with you? We wanted to switch it up and make it just a little bit different. We are going to tell you guys what we would have in a doomsday bunker as far as entertainment so in this scenario world war three is going on the bombs are dropping but we had enough time to get an underground doomsday bunker prepared and not just having all of the essentials that we would need to survive in a doomsday bunker but things that we would want to have in that bunker to keep us sane and to keep us entertained during that time Yes, our families are going to be in our bunkers. Yes, there's going to be food and water in our bunker. This is a hypothetical bunker anyways. These are just what we're going to bring to entertain us for the end of days. So we're going to talk about the movies that we would have in our Doomsday Bunker. And we're not film critics. We're not with the Stanley Kubricks of the world. We're not here to tell you what the best movies are. We're going to tell you what our favorite movies are. The ones that we could watch over and over again until the Blu-ray player runs out of juice. Brian, I will let you kick it off. So before I do that, I'm just gonna let you all know that these lists, they're not gonna be terribly big. With this Doomsday Bunker, we realized that realistically, we would be limited on the amount of space that we would have. So what we did was we narrowed our list down to seven options. So five of them would be like our top five that would definitely be in the bunker. Gotta have it. Gotta and get it. 
And the other two are more or less like honorable mentions. These would be the things that as the bombs are dropping and we're running to the bunker, these would be like the last two that we would just grab as like some of the last things that we would quickly rush to grab before running into the bunker. Before I get into my list, I'm going to say that I did a little bit of cheating here with this one. I kind of looked at this list in preparation and I decided that if there was a box set that I could grab instead of just having one movie, if I could grab like a series of movies, but they were all together in one small box set to save on space, I would want to have those. So my first one that I'm going to go with is the Mission Impossible box set that has all six movies of the Mission Impossible movies that are out right now starring Tom Cruise. I have a guilty pleasure with these movies. They're fantastic. They're great. The action alone is enough to watch these movies, but on top of all the action, there is a lot of character development. There is a lot of good storytelling found in these movies, and there's currently six movies out, so I would have had this six-movie box set in my bunker. The next one, again, a little bit of cheating, but my next pick would be the Lord of the Rings, the extended version box set Blu-ray. This is like hours and hours of content, not just with the movies, but also the bonus features that come with this. It would be more than enough to keep me entertained for a long period of time. If you've never watched the extended versions of the Lord of the Rings movies, first of all, what are you doing with your lives? Because that's the only way that you should be watching these movies. And I have done marathons of these movies in the past with friends to get through all three extended versions in one sitting it takes about 21 hours so that's 21 hours of content alone with just the movies so and you watched them all the way through we did it took 20 it took 21 hours because you'd watch one and then we take like a short break you know go to the bathroom shoot the shit grab stuff to eat by the time you did that it was like probably a half an hour to 45 minutes like gone down the tube when you're with like a group of people and we would have our families in these bunkers so it would be a group of people so before we get too far my question is if jason Bourne, tom cruise from uh, from the mission impossible movies and jason statham from the transporter movies who wins that fight Ooh, that's a good question that is a good question. That's a hard question to answer because Jason Bourne, he's like the movie version of Tom Cruise, but then you also watch Tom Cruise in these movies and all of the stunts and like the near-death experiences that he has with filming these movies, I think would maybe put him a little bit over the edge if it was just the two of them. That's Jason it. Statham, he's the wild card in this group because in my opinion, he's not the best fighter out of the three of them but he's always his characters are always the most like ruthless out of like, like the, the toughest three. like beaten down drag out like at the one percent on your hp bar left i want to say that it would still be between tom cruise and jason Bourne, but with him as that wild card i don't know we'll i would toss up I, yeah i would say that it would probably they'd all three take each other out it'd be like they all die. They all take that one last swing, and then they're all out. Uh, they're all Rocky done. And <laughs> Those are my two honorable mentions. Those are the two that I would 
quickly grab before running into my bunker. They're in a, a small enough box set where it wouldn't be, I wouldn't have too much, you know, in my hands to like carry to the bunker, but I don't think they would be sitting in the bunker yet. They like they're they're six and seven for a reason. My my top five they're already in there. Are already in yeah, there. They're all stacked in the corner, nice and neat. Yep. What are what are your your two honorable mentions? Your two quick grabs. My honorable mentions are Avengers, the first one. That movie did something for me that not a lot of movies has ever been able to do. The pure excitement to see all of those superheroes on the screen together was was awesome. You'll you'll find that a lot of my picks people will not agree with like as far as like being a good movie or that it should be on my list, but movies a lot of the way that I feel about movies, like the way I categorize them as good or bad is how they make me feel. So sometimes a movie can just be a pile of garbage to one person, but because of when I saw it or who I saw it with or how it made me feel in the moment, it can make me feel like leaps and bounds more about a movie than it really is. Yeah, these aren't, like, the best movies, like, as far as, you know, movie snobby critic standards go. These are our picks. These are the movies that mean the most to us that, you know, if the world was ending, we would still want access to them. So I said The Avengers, and then the other one I said was Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. That movie will never fail to get me to laugh. There's so many different parts there's so many different like brands of comedy in it because they had so many different like cameo appearances. You got Will Ferrell, you got George Carlin, you got Carrie Fisher, Chris Rock is in there. Like there's so many different little cameo appearances, and it's all from the mind, the twisted mind of my favorite guy on this planet for writing, directing, acting—not sorry, acting—but Kevin Smith. So those two are my honorable mentions. Again, ones that. I was a little conflicted at the end, the bottom of my list, but these are the ones that if I had to seal up the door and leave behind, I, I could I could survive. So I will read off my number five and my number four picks, and then I'll uh, pass it on over to Chad. He'll do his two, and we'll just keep going that way until we get down to our number one pick. So my fifth pick of movies that I would have in my bunker is The Last Action Hero, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. I have a guilty pleasure soft spot for Arnold and all of his movies that he's in, his action over-the-top movies, the one-liners that he has, the guests that we had for episode two, Jazz, one of my best friends, and even another friend of that I have. Uh, we all have a very strong love for Arnold and his movies and, like, just him in general have kind of strengthened those friendships just because we relate and love those movies together so much. The Last Action Hero is the one movie that I feel like encompasses Arnold and his type of movies the most perfectly. It's like an Arnold spoof movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you haven't seen this movie, it's about this kid that gets sucked into an Arnold movie. So in the movie, he, instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's Arnold Braunschneider. And it's just this movie of trying to get this kid back to the real world while also stopping the bad guys that are in this movie that are finding their way into the real world. 
So it it very much is self-aware of the kind of movie that it is. The action is over the top. Arnold and all the characters are aware of the one-liners as they're doing them. There's one part where Arnold's like, you want a one-liner? Here's a one-liner. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. And, like, it's it's so great. It's so funny. It's The action's great in it. And it's the one movie, like I said, that just kind of encompasses Arnold. If I would have to pick one of his movies to throw in my bunker, that would be the one, just to kind of capture the heart and spirit of Arnold movies for me. My number four pick is The Big Lebowski. This movie has a strong, special place in my heart. The dude is kind of like a character that I would look up as to in my life as, like, if I ever reach that point, I either know that, like, I made it, or I've just completely given up, <laughs> and I've hit rock bottom, and I just don't give a crap. It's funny that the Big Lebowski ended up on your list, because as I was working on my list yesterday, like, man, there's so many, it's so hard to pick even seven movies to put on a list, but I even asked, so I asked my wife, I'm like, hey, you, you know me pretty well, you know the movies I like, I was like, what are, what are the one of these movies that I should, I should put on my list? She's like, what about that bowling one? And I was like, hey! <laughs> That's a good idea. Yes. It didn't make it on my list, but yeah, absolutely. Just like the shenanigans that they, that the dude and Walter and Donnie like find themselves in throughout that entire movie, the ridiculousness of the characters and the circumstances that they're in just makes it such a fun and enjoyable movie. And as I was going through my list of personal movies that I would want in my bunker, I tended to pick movies that may not be my favorite like my all-time favorites or like considered the best movies but the movies that make me feel good that I enjoy that I get a good laugh out of and The Big Lebowski is definitely one of those movies for me and that's how it made the number four spot on my list. Well and just know if you ever get to a place in your life that you're the dude I'm already Walter. I'm already a grouchy, old, angry maniac. So all I need is the glasses and about another, like, 80 to 100 pounds. I'll be all set. We drag T-Cat to the bowling alley, and we just, that's our bowling league right there. (laughs) (laughs) So I did not rank mine one through five. So I'm quickly doing them off the top of my head. I like your little cheat code of using a box set because it actually increases the quality of my list. And we'll get to that one later. I will say if I had to pick a five, it's Star Wars Attack of the Clones. Yes, the groans, the simultaneous groans across the <laughs> podcast listening universe. I hear you. I get it. I get it. I understand. Like, how can I pick that one? That's arguably the worst Star Wars movie of all time. How can one of the prequels be your favorite movie? Okay, you need to understand. When first the original trilogy came out, those people loved those movies. And then they hated the prequels. When the prequels came out, for those of us that were young, we loved everything about the prequels. The thing I still love to this day about the prequels is more Jedis, more lightsaber fights. Yep. To this day is what makes those movies so cool, is that there is so much Jedi. Again, one of the big one of my favorite parts of the whole Star Wars everything is the battle on Genosis with the clone troopers, the Separatists, and the Jedi Order. It's an awesome scene. I love the lightsaber battle with Obi-Wan and Anakin and Count Dooku, but really the one that I really like about it 
is the Yoda and Count Dooku uh, lightsaber battle. It's like one of my favorite lightsaber, probably is my favorite lightsaber battle in the entire, all nine movies. The one thing about that movie that I feel like gets overlooked or underappreciated is even just Obi-Wan's arc throughout that movie. They run into Jango Fett in the beginning of the movie and that other shape-shifting bounty hunter. I can't think of what her name is at the moment. But then, like, just the mystery of who this bounty hunter is and going, following him to uh, Kamino and then finding out that, oh, hey, we have, like, a giant army here that nobody knew about. And then... That belonged to us. Running from Django and then just happening to be on Geonosa, like his whole arc and then even just his interaction with Count Dooku, who ends up being the master of Qui-Gon, who was Obi-Wan's master, like his whole arc in that movie, I find just fascinating. There's a lot of good stuff in that movie. The, the thing that I feel like people focus on mostly is just the bad, because although there's more good than bad the bad is in that movie is bad <laughs> well, it's it's in your face so much and because two of the main characters in the in the movie are hayden christensen and natalie portman and it is a nightmarish acting job by both of them mannequin skywalker i'm here to destroy the franchise with my shitty acting and, and natalie portman too the acting is so bad and it's so in your face because they're so involved in the storyline that that is what drags the movie down. And as much as I love watching that movie, there are parts where I'm just like, can you guys shut up? Please put Obi-Wan back on the screen. <laughs> I've had enough. You can blame a lot of that on the acting, but a lot of it too, I feel like, is the writing that they were given. Like, for their stuff. Like, it's hard to sell the relationship that was written because it even just felt so forced. There are some lines and just, like, some actions and like motivations that Anakin has in that movie that I'm like that I'm like what who does this like how how is this a logical process to like go through this you know the the thing too and like I know we've talked about this before but this bred one of my favorite animated series in the Clone Wars and what's nice about the Clone Wars is it gives you more of like a it gives you a more thorough representation of how Anakin slowly turns, where it feels like in these movies it's like, good guy, okay guy, bad guy. Like, there's no, it's not this really slow, like, tick to where he gets to, to, to making the decision, you know, to flip sides. But, uh, again, this is a movie that I could watch over and over again. Would you just have episode two in there, or would you throw in the prequel box set? I will take the prequel box set. I don't, why did I think of that? I thought of that for a, this wasn't even the movie I thought about it. <laughs> Boom, prequel box set. Again, it's those movies were when I was a kid, and what could possibly be cooler than Star Wars? Like, you know, we saw the older ones when we were younger, and again, as a kid, you can't always appreciate the original trilogy because it's not that hot. You were watching it on VHS or direct TV or whatever you were watching it on. And it wasn't as exciting, but it was a better storyteller. But now there's crazy creatures and General Grievous and lightsabers and a whole Jedi Order. Like, it was crazy from the get-go, and it was always a movie. First movie I saw, uh, first Star Wars movie I saw in theaters, too. So um, sticks out in my heart. But absolutely, I, I would take the prequels. And for those of you who are going to be furious about this, I would take the prequels before I would take the original trilogy and absolutely before the sequels. So don't at me, bro. <laughs> Um, the other movie I will put in the fourth slot, I will say Mighty Ducks D2. 
another movie that at literally any second of the day, any moment of my life, I can put in and I will enjoy it. Mighty Ducks D2. Love the first one. Love the love the third one. But the second one with the Olympics, with the evil Iceland team, like it's just such an awesome story. That's when you get Keenan Thompson involved. I, I can't say enough about it. I have a Gordon Bombay Mighty Ducks jersey hanging in my closet right now that I got for Christmas. Like Mighty Ducks are my favorite like kids movie. They're my favorite movie now. And that's whenever you get people like, what's your favorite Disney movie? And people forget that the Mighty Ducks is an applicable answer to that. They're like, no, like an animated one. I'm like, that's not what you said. You said Disney movie. And no, it's not going to be Aladdin and the Lion King. It's the ducks. Because ducks fly together. Quack. 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 Go ducks. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that movie. It absolutely would be in my doomsday list. The good thing about that, too, is I know that you have the box set that Dang has box all three. box set, Chad. <laughs> I wrote this list without the rules. <laughs> I didn't know the rules. That rule we didn't really establish. When you came to pick me up today, I was like, hey, just to let you know. I 45 minutes ago. I kind of cheated, and I took the box sets and put them in my list because, realistically, that's what I would grab to throw in my bunker. So Box set. Good. So the prequels, trilogy box set, and the Mighty Ducks, and then D2 and D3. Those are four and five for me. I got six movies for the price of two. There you go. My third pick is the 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action movie. The good thing about that when making my list that I didn't think of is I have the box set that has all three of the original live action Turtles movies, which all three of those hold a special place in my heart. But the first one overall wins me over. The thing that I love about that movie is it introduced me to the turtles my mom got me both turtles one and two from a rummage sale on vhs for like 50 cents a piece those that is a, that is a diamond in the rough that yeah is a find if I've ever heard those were probably the first movies that i was obsessed with as a child that i would just throw in a vcr on a saturday afternoon and just play on repeat over and over and over as I was playing with my Turtles action figures on the living room floor, the movies were on in the background. To this day, I could probably still say that movie line for line. To me, it's the perfect representation of Turtles, period. I mean, you got the dark grittiness that was introduced in the comics, which originally introduced us to the Turtles. You also get the lighthearted comedy from the Turtles that was a big part of the animated series, the original animated series, and you get all the fun-loving pizza along with it. Wise men say, forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for light pizza. If you haven't walked away with any sort of knowledge, we just dropped some here for you right there with that quote. But yeah, the box set, I mean, you get the goodness of Turtles 2 with the addition of Toka and Raza and Vanilla Ice's Ninja Rap. And then the third movie, you get Turtles going back in time to ancient Japan. So, I mean, you get all of the turtle goodness in there in that box set. That, for me, hits my number three. My number two slot, again, I kind of cheated here. It doesn't officially exist, but if I was preparing my bunker, I would definitely take a Blu-ray case that had two DVD slots in it, or Blu-ray slots in them, and throw these in there. 
I put Infinity War and Endgame together because to me that's one whole story right there. One feels incomplete without the other. Well, originally it was supposed to be Avengers Four Part One and Two. Like that's originally how those movies were supposed to be released before they adjusted it to Infinity War and Endgame. Absolutely. So if I was setting up my my doomsday bunker with movies, Infinity War and Endgame, they would absolutely have to be in there for me. I mean, this is the feel of Marvel events in the comics when they're done right. This is everything that a franchise has built up to that was executed perfectly. Infinity War, it's one of those rare movies watching in the theaters going into that I had such high expectations for and having a movie exceed those expectations that for a comic book fan like me I was still shocked and surprised by everything that was happening into it because being a comic book fan going into these movies a lot of the times we know the main beats we know the main plot points that are going to happen those big surprises for a general audience aren't always a big surprise for us they're more or less like a satisfaction just seeing them in the movie and done right both endgame and infinity war did that and endgame was like the perfect wrapped up for all of that whereas endgame or infinity war you know builds up to all the exciting action endgame brings the drama brings the heart gives me the feels and makes me cry and gives me all those feelings like throughout the movie that you know i would probably want to be able to express and release if i'm trapped in a bunker and the outside world is gone it's a perfect movie that kind of hits that theme as well so this is this is your number two right yes so we'll we'll continue this conversation a little bit more because it's my number three so let's keep it going you did an awesome job of giving a general overview and the feeling of why it's your number two without spoilers if you haven't seen these movies yet this is where the spoilers begin we're going to talk about things why these movies made us feel the way that they did so continue on with your final battle scene i, I, I apologize for interrupting uh yeah the final battle scene just you know we get all these characters together even like the smaller ones that you know may not be like the number one favorites they still had their their stealing moments i'm like getting goosebumps right now the fact that we finally got Avengers assemble right like when Cap finally says it because they even tease it in Ultron. They're yes. like, "Oh, we got no." Cap picking up the hammer. Going into that movie, I was like, "This is the one thing that needs to happen in this movie, and if it does not, doesn't matter how good the movie is, I will still be pissed that it's not in there." So the fact that that was in there throughout that movie and throughout that battle scene, there were multiple times that i saw that in the theater people cheered that was the one moment the first time that i saw that i like audibly like cheered out loud that was the moment that i was waiting for even just having you know thor use both hammers and then the fight between the fight between the three of them like thor iron man cap versus thanos before everyone gets there that alone was like an epic battle and then just adding all of the stuff into it before that sony just like bad ass parts in the last like 20 minutes of that movie that battle scene like like you said there he's bringing down he's raining hellfire from the sky bringing stuff down and then you have ant-man you know lifting the build you know getting everybody out of there and then you see the thunder clap with the big three coming out cap shield getting shattered and even some, like you said, not all the biggest players, 
everybody's there from big players to small players on your left and the and all the all the uh, sorcerers are opening up all the time you know the time portals with their sling rings and everybody's coming through the fact that like to this day one of i think the coolest probably top five like minds is when wanda is like you took everything from me and he's like i don't even know who you are and she's like oh really <laughs> and just tears him apart in that moment. Yeah, she's like, you will. You will. Yeah, you will. And then she's tearing him apart, if not for him raining fire down on his own army. That's where Thanos loses, right there. Because she was going to shred him atom by atom. Besides, like, the action, there's so much heart to that movie that I was not expecting and I was not prepared for going into it. I've become a bit of a softy over the years the more and more the world breaks me down where before i'd be like i'm a tough guy i don't cry at movies and now i'm just like oh fuck i'm crying now and there was lots of moments in that movie that hit for me when ant-man finally gets out of the quantum realm and he's like you know what the hell's going on and just the reunion with him and his daughter who thought that he was dead for like five years and then he sees her and she's all grown up and that's like a big chunk of her life that he missed out that part of that movie broke me down the big part of that movie that really gets me more so than the end even though the end gets me too is all of the stuff with thor and all of the um things that he goes through in that movie I'm choking up just talking about it now. Uh, all of the stuff with him and his mom. Sorry, buddy. Because uh, uh, that movie came out the year months after I lost my mom and just see all that stuff too. And just feeling his pain. I'm, I'm crying right now. It still chokes me up. And... The end scene with Iron Man, that, that gets me too. Not not just because he's gone and he dies and he sacrifices himself so honorably, but just the execution of it from all of the characters. The part of that that really breaks me down too is when Pepper Potts is like, it's okay, we're going to be okay. Even though she doesn't believe those words. Because I've had to do that, too, and, like, that's what gets me. It's, I mean, the last, the, like we said, the battle scene, as cool as it is, the last section of that movie is a roller coaster of emotions. You know, oh. going from being so excited, seeing, you know, um, Cap pick up the hammer, to, I know one part that gets me every time, because um, the end of Infinity War always tears me up when you lose Spider-Man. And he's just, and Tony's just watching, like, basically his son just fall through his hands. And he's like, I'm not okay, Mr. Stark. And then when he comes back through the portal, and Tony is like, he gives him a hug. And Peter's kind of like, I don't really know what's going on here. But, like, you can feel the feels that Tony is having in that moment. Knowing, basically, he got his son back. Like, he did it. He got him back. And, again, you know, to the same point, you get to the end of that movie, and you're up, you're down, you're crying, you're excited, you're, you know, and then it's like, okay, I'm all right. I'm over this Tony thing. And then they have the funeral scene. And for oh. them, I, again, just 
tears streaming down my face, like in the theater, both times, at home. Like, my seven-year-old is looking at me the first time we let him watch Endgame. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, I will be fine. I will be fine. And you get to the end, and his his daughter's like with happy. I'm yeah, like, oh that scene God. breaks me too with the cheeseburgers. Yeah. Uh. But again, I think I think another part of it too, and underlying, not the direct stuff where like we're emotional because this is happening. I think another part of it is because this was the end of an era. Like it was a decade building this. It was over twenty movies building to this. We were there. From the start, we were there from when Tony Stark was not likable, when he was a, a douche, and he built himself a huge story arc through the years to be the guy that we probably cared about more than anybody else. And when it comes to an end like this, that was it was our end game too. Yeah, it's what walked us all the way to the end. Yeah, so I you had it as your number three, I had it as my number two, but like those were two movies that. If I was putting together a Doomsday Bunker, like, those would have to be in there. Excellent. I will use your little cheat code, circle, circle, R, X, backward, backward, left, down, right, up, left, down, right, up. <laughs> and I will take both because, like I said, I was going to put Endgame in there. So you guys heard my number three there, and then my number two, which is the only one for whatever reason, even though I have the box sets of all the other ones we talked about, is it was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Again, another movie that was I could never explain, I could never feel again the way I felt seeing that movie in theaters. Like seeing, my dad took me to see that movie for the first time and having read the books, having been such a huge Harry Potter fan and then finally seeing that movie, it's it's everything you could have, it's the closest you can ever get to going to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry is seeing that movie as a kid. It was insane to see it come to life and come to life so well you know the casting that they did was was phenomenal you know it's and again i'm gonna take the box set i'll take the whole thing but if i had to only pick one like i said before with these other ones it would be sorcerer's stone the thing about sorcerer's stone and even chamber of secrets like those first two installments in that franchise they were they were made back in like the early 2000s to the point where like a lot of the you know, the magic and the creatures and just everything in those movies, a lot of that was practical effects, where those two movies sit higher for me as far as the Harry Potter movies go, too, not just because, like, that's when I was big into Harry Potter as well, and, and you know, we were... Chad and I are around the same age as the characters when those books came out, so we felt like we were growing up with those characters. Our as well. letters should have been in the mail. We should have been there alongside. Right? Them. But, like, the thing about those two movies that stands out to me is how realistic those look compared to the other ones. Because once you start getting more of, like, the CGI in, it's still magical, but there's just that little something that's missing that those two have. It's, it's the classic. It's like it's like when you go back and watch, but like the, uh, I know this is going to sound way off base, but like the Santa Claus is coming to town and the Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer, like those movies, while they're not like the highest quality and most exciting movies to watch, there's just something about that classic feel that like it warms you up, you know, that you're watching that movie. It just, it, it, it's chicken soup for the soul. I mean, even comparing like Jurassic Park to Jurassic World, like, Jurassic Park feels so much more magical because the dinosaurs are all, like, 
actual animatronics, like, built puppets that they look real. The same could be said about, like, the Harry Potter universe, you know. All of, like, the creatures, all of, like, you know, the elves and the dwarves that are there, and, like, the other mythical creatures that just aren't coming to my head right now. But, like, goblins, they, the three-headed dog, Fluffy. They like, look like they're there. They look real, as opposed to, like, later on in the movies when, you know, the, the mythical creatures, even, like, the goblins at Grinwald's, like, they're CGI'd and they just look more cartoonish and not as real. So, yeah, I would, if I had to pick out of those movies which ones, you know, I would pull, I would probably pick one or two as well. Excellent. So that brings us to the the moment you've all been waiting for so far in this podcast, the number ones. And you know what I thought? I thought, you know what? I'll be doing this. This whole episode is the best stop. Granted, a lot of these movies, I'm guessing people have seen. And if you haven't, go out and watch. I've never seen Last Action Hero. Now I need to go see it. Absolutely. I cannot have not seen a movie on my, one of my closest friends' doomsday list. I need to have seen that. I have to have seen that because it means it's good. So, without further ado, or maybe a little ado, our number ones. And the number one movie that I would need to have in my Doomsday Bunker, I could have this as a box set, but if I had to just choose one, I would pick The Dark Knight. This is my all-time favorite movie. This, to me, is the perfect comic book movie adaptation ever. I mean, we talked about Infinity War, we talked about Endgame, and all the feels that that movie brings. The thing about those movies is... It's the buildup of 10 years, whereas The Dark Knight, although it had Batman Begins before it, it could be a standalone movie. It's the perfect Batman story, in my opinion. It's the perfect comic book movie. It's so perfect that even non-comic book fans love this movie. Heath Ledger as the Joker is the most iconic adaptation I think we're ever going to get of the character. It's such an original take. At times, yes, it is more of a Joker movie than a Batman movie, but Batman and Bruce Wayne, they both have a solid arc throughout this movie, you know, trying to balance the life of this billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, Bruce Wayne, and Batman, and the stakes that Batman takes on Bruce Wayne's life as well. You also get just solid performances from Commissioner Gordon with the development of Two-Face. It's it's overall just perfect. Even just how faithful it is to the source material. Uh, Batman, The Long Halloween, that movie highly influenced um, The Dark Knight, and you can just see it from, you know, the gangsters to Joker's portrayal and the evolution of Harvey Dent into Two-Face. Yeah, I love this movie so much. I still remember going to see it opening night uh, at midnight when midnight premieres were still a thing and just being absolutely blown away by this movie. It holds a special place in my heart and it holds the number one spot not only as my favorite movie of all time but just the number one movie that I would need in my Doomsday Bunker. Such a good pick. I, I think I saw The Dark Knight before I saw Batman Begins and it really sullied my taste for Batman Begins because at least if you watch that that first, it's a decent movie, and then it gets better with The Dark Knight. It kind of backslides, <laughs> you know, when I when, when you watch it in that order. Awesome movie, like you said, just an iconic 
depiction of the Joker, arguably the best portrayal of the Joker ever. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think a lot of it comes down to preference, but again, for people who have read the comics and have seen indulged in and consumed every bit or as much of every piece of Batman and Joker, you know, material and anthologies, he does such a phenomenal job of incorporating that, like, the creepy and dark with just full-on, like, psychopath, where you get, like, your um, Jack Nicholson, who is more of, like, a kooky, zany, like, wild Joker. There's a little bit of kooky, zany with Heath Ledger, but overall it was more along, like, the serious tone of things. Mm -hmm. And, and like you said, too, Christian Bale, I, I loved as Batman. I don't know if I'll ever love anyone more or enjoy anyone more as Batman. Ben Affleck wasn't really the Batman for me. You know, we can joke around and talk about Val Kilmer and George Clooney and Michael Keaton. But again, those Tim Burton movies aren't the, the upper echelon of your, you know, your Batman universe. But you said I would not be surprised by your number one, and I absolutely was not surprised by it. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed it, but now that you said it, I'm like, I don't know how I wouldn't have. And if I already wasn't surprised enough, or not surprised enough, that is, for yours, you will not be surprised at all by my number one pick. And it is the 90s cult classic by none other than Kevin Smith, the movie Clerks. A lot of people shun this movie right away because the first thing that they see is black and white. Yes, this movie is shot in black and white. Yes, it's the reason my wife will never watch the movie. There are a lot of movies that are in black and white that are of a high quality that people shun right away just because they're black and white, because things should be in color. This movie, I didn't see for a long, long time. It came out, I think, in 1993, if I'm not wrong. It came out early 90s, and I didn't see it until I saw like the edited version on Comedy Central. And that's when I first saw this movie. But I fell in love with it because it was weird it was different it was like why do i need a movie about two guys who work at a gas station or a video store like why do i need that movie i didn't know but immediately after that i had my dad help me order it online and i got it and i watched the unedited version and i was like why do i love i think the first part of my love was this is that a movie had never perplexed me before like this where it was like i love this but don't know why and now i need to watch it 50 more times to figure out why that was my the clerks is my first dipping my toe into the world of kevin smith and it has just been a full-fledged deep dive ever since as you know brian some of my favorite comics were done by kevin smith tv shows movies stand-ups podcasts it's the reason i'm into podcasts is i started with smodcast and that gave me into the whole smodcast universe it's it is crazy what one creator can do for you but that's what this movie did for me it really sent me into the world of Kevin Smith, and it's probably one of the reasons I love the movies that I do today. I, the thing that I love about that movie is just, like, how honest it is. I mean, because, yes, it's a comedy, and it can be over the top at times. It's not so over the top where it's not believable. Like, the pranks and the shenanigans that some of these characters get into, like, I can see happening in the small town that I grew up in. Or I could see me with my friends doing that if we happen to work together at a convenience store together. Or any retail. It's like Randall says, he goes, this job would be great if it wasn't for the customers. Yeah, like, it, it's honest about, you know, the job and just, like, the, the situations that the characters are in. Like, as over the top as they can be, they're not unbelievable, you know? 
people struggle with, you know, relationships, and that's what they have in there. They struggle with, you know, wanting to hang out and have a good time with friends, but also having to, like, juggle work as well. Like, and it does it in such a smart and funny way that I appreciate that movie, too. I understand your love for it, and being best friends with you, yeah, I'm not surprised at all that it was your number one pick. It's an obsession. Borderline unhealthy. So there you have it. Those are the top seven movies that we would have in a doomsday bunker if we had to prep a doomsday bunker for World War III, for nuclear bomb drops, or just, you know, COVID takes over the world to the point where we all have to hide underground for cover. This will be part one of an ongoing series of the Bunker Essentials. The Doomsday Files. The Safety Pods. We'll come up with a better name. Yeah, I like the Doomsday Files. Maybe we should go with that. Doomsday Files. The name is Midwesterners. You can find us at Twitter, at Instagram, at gmail.com. Also, Midwesterners.com. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R. DS also on Facebook, the Midwestern Nerds Podcast. We are streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. Please rate and review us. And as always, for your Midwestern Nerds, I'm Chad Coffin. I'm Brian Stoffel. And whether it's beer, brats, comics, or pops, keep, keep it nerdy. nerdy.